good to be here, and um, today we're going to look uh, in the book of John. So I invite you, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the pews there in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to take one home with you. I can say that because Pastor Chris isn't here. Go ahead and take it. We have plenty, plenty. If um, it, The page numbers for the Bibles in the pews will be up on the screen behind me here. Starting in John um, chapter 14 today, and... Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about discipleship. We're going to be taking a look at what it means to be a Jesus follower. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that off-maligned word, evangelism. And uh, we'll continue the idea of what it means to just walk across the room. Hopefully, many of you have taken the opportunity to sign up and be involved in the small groups that are happening. Uh, it's an exciting ministry. I talked with a few leaders already um, who have met and uh, just having a great time getting together, fellowshipping, and going deeper into what it means to be, um, to be salt and light in the world. So if you haven't had a chance to do that, there's still sign-up sheets in the back if you find a group that you'd like to be part of. Or if nothing works for you out there, um, please start your own. We'd love to have you uh, let us know that you'd like to start your own group, and we'll let, uh, let people know about it. So hope you take advantage of that. Let's uh, pray together. Dear God, we thank you for the powerful um, illustrations of being salt and of being light. God, we've come this morning, maybe some of us um, have come from a place of discouragement, and we need to hear a word from you. Maybe some of us have come with a very heavy heart, um, maybe in a lot of pain. Uh, maybe some of us have come with... Uh, just a feeling of being overwhelmed with life, of uh, being tired. Um, some of us perhaps have, have come and we're full of joy and, and uh, we just want to be a part of a movement, um, a Jesus movement um, that loves and follows you to the end of the earth. And so God, I thank you that wherever we're coming from this morning, that you meet us exactly where we are. And I pray as we open your word today that you will speak, that we will have ears and hearts that will listen. Thank you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. John chapter 14. We're starting today where Pastor Chris left off um, last week. She ended with this well-known passage, uh, 14 verses 1 through 3. Learned it in childhood, many of us did. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Literally translated, Jesus saying, it's going to be all right, my brothers. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. You're connected with God. You're connected with me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Remember Pastor Chris was talking about this idea, many rooms, this, this translation of being much, many spaces, many large spaces, more than you and I can imagine. Take all of the Hiltons and the Marriott's and the Motel 6 now and Sorry, not Motel 6, but all the hotel rooms in the world and you put them all together. Not enough room. Not enough room. There are many rooms in my father's home. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And I'd like to take a look at at the disciples a little closer this morning through a few texts. We're going to be, we're going to be thumbing through quite a few texts, so I hope you've got your fingers warmed up. Um, 
But the first question that comes to my mind reading through this passage is this idea that Jesus is telling the disciples, there's going to be a lot of rooms in my father's house, but there's something that's troubling their hearts. There's something that's causing them anxiety. What? Let's go back a couple of verses up to verse 31, uh, 33 of the last chapter, 13, verse 33. My children, Jesus is still talking to the disciples, and he's calling them children, which is a very affectionate term that Jesus is using for his friends. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. You cannot come. Can you imagine what those words must have been like in the disciples' ears? Here they were. They, their lives had been uh, caught up in, in this following of Jesus. This is what they did. This is who they were. Methetes is the Greek word for disciple. Methetes. Uh, uh, the the um, old Hebrew word uh, Talmudim. This is what someone did when they followed a rabbi. They would follow them wherever they went. They would be students or learners. They would listen to the rabbi teaching. They would uh, observe how he interacted with people. This is what they did. This is what they had dedicated their lives to for three and a half years. Mathetes, following Jesus. And can you imagine what it would be like for them to, to hear these words. I'm going, and where I'm going, you cannot come. You cannot follow. Life as you know it, basically Jesus was saying, life as you know it is going to be radically changed. There is a major shift coming on the horizon. I and you are going to be physically separated. I'd like to take a closer look at a couple of words because we're going to go back to the beginning in Matthew 4 in just a second. But a couple of words here that I think it's important for us to kind of grasp the meaning. And we're going to be doing some Greek today. Um, so, uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So the first word is going. Where I am going, you cannot come. The word going and come have been important for the disciples. Because that's what it is to be a disciple. You go with your, your, with your uh, rabbi and you come. You come to different places. But Jesus is using these words. And the word for go, where I am going, is hupago. Hupago. The word for come is exerkomai. Exerkomai. It's kind of fun. You can say them if you want. Go ahead. Hupago. Exerkomai. Kind of reminds me of Star Wars a little bit. Watch out. Here comes some hupagos. Exerkomaiom. I don't know, sorry. That didn't work in first service either. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Basically, these words have the connotation, though, of, of, of um, physical separation, of moving from one physical location to another. What they don't say is, you, have, you cannot follow me any longer as you have been. You cannot be in relationship with me, connected as you have been. What they are saying, what Jesus is saying, and what's clear to the disciples when they hear this, is that you will continue to be my disciples. You just cannot physically follow me around any longer. You can't physically be in my presence. And I imagine this was rather troubling, troubling in heart, as the text says to the disciples. Uh, loss is probably one of the most difficult things that you and I as human beings deal with. Wouldn't you say? 
I know that there's probably many of you here who have experienced loss in very profound ways. And you know the depth, the pain, the, the fear and anxiety that comes from the potential of losing someone or from the actual loss of someone. Perhaps you've lost a spouse, a lifelong partner. And it seems that even, even simple tasks are too overwhelming. And to face the future is just, it's difficult. Perhaps some of you have lost to a divorce. Perhaps some of you have lost a son or a daughter, a child. Or if you lost a mother or father. Perhaps some of you have lost a job or have lost your way in life and you feel lost. Loss is one of the most difficult things that you and I have to deal with. And I think Jesus knows this. I think Jesus knew this back here and I think Jesus knows this today. Listen to what he says continuing on from verse 33, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. Do you think that's new for the disciples? No. Is Jesus saying this is a brand new something that I'm going to tell you? No. He's meaning this is, again, the highest importance that I'm going to tell you. This is the thing that I want most for you to remember. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. So he affirms in them, you are still my disciples. You are still my methetes. That's not going to change. But where I'm going, you cannot come. There will be a physical distance between us. Turn back to the book of Matthew. It's a couple of books back. And um, I want to take a look at the first time that the disciples heard these words from Jesus. Except they were in a different... Uh, they had a different meaning um, the first time. The book of Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. You know this story well. Calling of the first disciples. Uh, verse 18, Jesus was hanging out by the sea and I uh, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. It's interesting the words that Jesus, use, Jesus uses here as compared to where we just took a look in John. These words, come and follow, are actually two words that are put together. Dueta opiso. Dueta opiso. Dueta is actually in the imperative. It's, it's a command. Jesus is saying, come, come. Come hither. Come. Opiso is actually behind or, or in back of. Come and follow. It, it, it gives the idea of, of coming to be in relationship with. Coming to be in community with. Coming to be connected with. Come and follow. Totally different than the come where I am going, you cannot come, that Jesus was saying here. In, in John. But this is come and be connected in intimate relationship with me. Listen to my words. Watch what I do. Uh, follow me and see what God is really like. 
I don't know if, if, if that happened to you and I today. We often wonder how the disciples could have left everything and, and followed. I don't know. This wasn't the first time that they had seen Jesus. This wasn't the first time they had heard him. They had seen him do amazing things. And imagine the call to you and I would be just as compelling. And you and I just might decide to drop everything and follow him too. So these disciples, that's what they did. And this is the very beginning of this journey, this, this, uh, this life as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. In the middle, they had amazing observations and their lives were transformed as they observed what it meant to live in the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God was all about. And then in John, when we, when we were looking it, towards the end, they were, they were disheartened and saddened because they figured this thing was going to end. Once, once your teacher is gone, there's no more discipling. There's no more following. But Jesus wants to make it crystal clear, turn over to the end of the chapter in Matthew, the end of the story, Matthew chapter 28. And the very end of the, very end of the chapter there. Jesus uses again the word go. Um, Start with verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. But some doubted. That's always been comforting to me. I don't know about you. But there were disciples there. There were followers of Jesus there. And some were like, Jesus, we worship you. Some were like, Greek literal translation is, hmm, I don't know. Some doubted. But to all of them, verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, all of you, whether you have questions or whether you don't, you are disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, as uh, Seventh day Adventists, this text is really precious to us, isn't it? One of the things that I am absolutely proud of as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian is the way my denomination, my faith, has taken this commission and has taken it seriously. We've, we've gone in, into all the world, and we're, we're trying to go to all the world because we believe seriously that that is what Jesus is asking us to do. I'm, a long, I'm part of a long line of missionaries in my family, and, and I, I'm just really proud of that. I'm proud of that, taking that commission seriously. But you know, I think that we sometimes miss what Jesus was saying to his disciples, and we sometimes miss how his disciples could have heard this. Therefore, go. Greek word again, man, we're going to have so much Greek, you're going to want to go eat some falafels and hummus after this. (laughs) Therefore, go. The word is actually poruomai. Poruomai. Which means, um, literally translated, the idea of continuing one's journey. The idea of continuing the journey that you've been on. It's not the go as in transporting yourself from one physical location to another physical location. But it is, as you have been living, so continue. Peruomai. Therefore, peruomai, and make disciples of all nations. It's a different feel to it, isn't it? It's a different feel. Wherever you are, wherever your journey has been taking you, continue. 
No drastic movements necessary, although sometimes God may do that in your life. But wherever you are right now, continue to follow. Continue to go. In your journeys, go. And so his disciples, I imagine, were kind of like, we had an interesting experience just a couple of weeks ago. Our family got to go on um, a little vacation during our girls' spring break to Colorado. And uh, we're going to visit a friend of mine that lives in Durango. Beautiful place. Um, And uh, we were excited because we were going to go snow skiing. I hadn't been snow skiing since high school. A little scared that I would come back uh, injured. Um, But our girls had never had a chance to go snow skiing, and so we were excited about um, teaching them. Well, we got there, and uh, it snowed, beautiful, fresh powder, um, and uh, headed up to the mountain. And uh, we decided to put the girls in ski school because they had never skied before, and I wasn't about to teach them how to ski. So we put them in ski school, and... uh, we were kind of surprised because they said, all right, this is, um, this is a class and it's going to be four hours. Four hours? You want, my, you, you want me to leave my child for four hours with you? I said, yeah, yeah, you guys go ahead, go skiing. We'll take care of your kids for four hours and uh, they'll be skiing at the end. Really? All right. It was worth all of that money. So... <laughs> So we, uh, we dropped them off, and, you know, they were a little scared, a little excited. So were we. Um, said, all right, we'll see you guys in four hours. We go off and, and uh, have a fun time skiing. We come back um, in the afternoon, and, and uh, we ask, ask the instructors. Um, well, the instructors weren't there. We asked the people at the um, are our children here? Because we expected, you know, right there at the ski school, there's a little, little bunny slope, just a little, you know, a little hill. And they had what you call a magic carpet. Have you ever seen a magic carpet? It is really cool. It's like a, it's a, it's a strip of carpet, and it's on a conveyor belt. And um, these kids, they just boom, put them on the conveyor belt, zoom, zip them up the mountain, you know, and they'd get off the top and ski back down. That was a beautiful thing. And I thought, you know, we would find our kids. We would come back, and our, our kids would be, you know, going up the magic carpet and going down the little you know, a little bunny slope. We didn't see him. Our, our kids, did they go inside? Did they quit? Did they not like this? I said, no, they, they went up the quad lift. <laughs> what? These are my kids. They, they don't ski. You don't understand. They're not on the quad lift. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're doing great. Um, took them up to the top, and there's a green run that goes all the way down. Um, they'll be coming down pretty soon. They'll be carrying them, maybe. <laughs> I didn't have faith. They, I, we, pretty soon we saw an instructor, a ski instructor. He was doing the snow plow, you know, doing the snow plow. And behind him, the most amazing thing, this long line of little skiers all in their snow plows. And they were going back and forth and back. And this whole line of little skiers back and forth down the mountain. And we were speechless. This is our, our girl. And I wonder, and pretty soon the instructor, the instructor peeled off and we watched. And um, we assume he told the kids, all right, now it's your turn. Keep going. And it was amazing. Back and forth. The same way. All the way to the bottom. I wonder if Jesus is saying this to his disciples. 
as you have seen me ski and dance and walk and talk, as you have followed behind me, Hupago, now continue, continue to ski. Continue the journey as you have seen me live. Keep going. Keep going. I imagine Jesus is saying in this one word, go. You know the steps. You know exactly what I'm about. You know the dance, and the disciples did. They knew the dance. They knew the story about when Jesus was in the temple as a little boy, right? Don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? And they knew from being with Jesus for three and a half years what his father's business was. They remembered when he had stood up in the, in the synagogue and had said the quote from Isaiah, these words, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. They had been there firsthand to witness the compassion, the kindness that Jesus showed to the hurting, to the broken, to the outcast, to the sick, to those who had been kicked to the curb, to those who were marginalized by society. They attended parties with Jesus where he would eat and drink with tax collectors, with publicans, with sinners, with people who smoked galloweed. Maybe Galloweed. Okay. I'm sorry again. They had listened to other teachers of the law mumble and grumble and complain and criticize and judge. And just a little side note here if you ever find yourself in that place where religious people are criticizing and judging, because perhaps you hang out with the wrong crowd or you are in the wrong places. According to the scriptures, you're in good company. You're in good company. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, they understand what he's saying. They understand that he is saying, continue on as you have seen me live. And it's interesting, this word nations... Comes, uh, comes from the Greek word ethnos, ethnic. Basically, at its core, it means people who are different from you. And there are just a few of those in this world. Okay, maybe there's a lot. And they're not necessarily in different countries. They're perhaps your neighbor across the street, or your coworkers, or the patients that come into your office. There are ethnos all around you. And what Jesus is saying is here is continue on the journey interacting intimately with the people surrounding you. The people that perhaps feel far from God and who are far from God. Continue to be in close proximity to them. Make disciples. It's this cycle. Isn't it that Pastor Chris talked about asking you to think about who are the people in your life that led you, started you on this journey with Jesus? Who had started you in your walk as a methetes? 
Who are those people? Do you you see their faces? Do you recall their names? Because this is the way that the kingdom of God is built. It's a funny way. It's not a very clean way. Sometimes it's a little messy. You figure the God of the universe could have done something a little easier. But no, he's chosen disciples to make disciples, to make disciples, to make disciples. And so you and I today as disciples, as followers of Jesus, this is the call to us. I'd like to land on one last text with you this morning, back in uh, the first part of Matthew. And um, it's a text that kind of brings in uh, what was uh, talked about a little bit earlier in the service. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. And this is actually... Remember, we were just in Matthew 4 when Jesus called the disciples. This is actually just a little while after he had called the disciples. They hadn't been with him hardly very long at all. And here Jesus is sitting down, and he's talking about his kingdom, talking about what the kingdom of God is like. Matthew chapter 5, he starts in the Beatitudes. Blessed are you, happy are you when, when these things are happening in your life and when this transformation happens. And then he comes to the passage, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. There's this idea that Jesus is telling his disciples, even though you've been with me such a short time and you know so little about who I am and about who the Father is, even so, you are salt and you are light in this world. With the limited amount of knowledge and of experience that you have with me and with God, this is what you are. And there's so many different directions you can go with these illustrations of salt and light. About They were fishermen, and they knew that salt was most important to keep their fish preserved. And it's interesting with a father for a microbiologist, I had to look it up, and why does salt preserve stuff? It actually makes the water in the food unavailable for microorganisms to grow in. Is that kind of right? Yeah? Oh, awesome. It makes the water unavailable for microorganisms. It, it preserves, it, it, it prevents decay from happening. Salt also, as we heard this morning, brings out flavor. It enhances the flavor. It brings out the goodness. And so perhaps what Jesus is saying is to the disciples, as you follow me, as you learn what I am like and what my kingdom of, kingdom of God is like, as you do that, as you interact with people, you are going to bring out the goodness of God in them you are going to prevent decay that sin sin brings about. You're going to prevent that decay in people. You're going to bring out the flavor, the God flavor that has been created in them. That's what you're going to be doing. And light, there's so many different directions you can go with light. But basically, light illuminates. It brings out what is there. And perhaps Jesus could be saying to his disciples, just as the salt brings out the flavor, so the light brings out, it reveals not only who my Father is, and reveals the goodness about God, but it reveals how his character is in 
people. You reveal the goodness in people and the character of God that was created in people. And if there's anything that you and I need and the people around us need, it's a reminder that we are created in God's image. Is that not right? It's a reminder that there is God's goodness within us, with every single person. And as salt and light, as you and I interact intimately with people every day, day in, day out, on our journey of following Jesus, the thing they need is to know that there is goodness within them, and that goodness is God. And that he can radically transform and change their life. Salt and light. I wrap up with, um, uh, you've seen perhaps these images. Um, they're called magic eye. And um, I think we have, uh, I have one up here. The title of the sermon is Living in 3D. And if you've been reading through the book, Heibel's um, talks about living in 3D. And what's, hey, anybody know how to do these things? Yeah. We've got some, uh, we've got some cross-eyed people in here. I have been frustrated all my life with these images. Never been able to see anything. My wife, she's like, oh, I see a flying octopus. I see a, what? You're just making that up. You don't see anything in there. And she's like, no, serious, it's, it's real. I, I can see. Anybody see anything? It's kind of hard projected up here. But, um, this, yeah, we've got a couple of hands of some people that see this. I had an experience um, this week uh, looking for, for pictures, and I stared at my computer screen. must have been for at least five minutes, just banging my head against it. Come on. Nothing. Nothing. So I Googled. Google is awesome. Googled and figured out how to, how to do this. And they, you know, they said, you've got to be positioned just right. And so, so blur your eyes, blur your vision, and so you see kind of some dots. And then you look through the picture. Yeah, right. Like through, like through the picture, through the picture, through, through. All of a sudden, the very first time in my life, bam, out jumps a turtle. A turtle is in that picture. Did you see it? No. Some of you saw that. There's a turtle 3D within that picture. And I was so excited. I went running around the house. Woohoo! I can see. I can see. And my wife was like, man, you've been working on that sermon too long. Uh, it was, it's, have you ever been frustrated that way, though, when it comes to evangelism? When it comes to telling other people about God, and there's all these expectations and ways you should do it, and methods, and, and for some people it seems like it's, man, it's no big deal. They can just walk across the room and start up a conversation, and hey, have you heard about God? Why don't you come to my church? For some people, it's just like natural, second nature. For others of us, it's like, ah, I don't know how people do it. I don't know. I, I get stuck. I, I, I can't think of what to say. My tongue gets all tied. I, I don't know. It's really comforting, this, this idea that going and making disciples is simply about continuing the journey that God has been leading you on. And as you continue that journey, being exactly who God has created you to be, the disciples will be made. When you are authentic to the journey you are on. Um, Bill Hybels in his book has 
three D's that he uh, coordinates with this. And I just want to run really quickly through them. He's saying evangelism is most effective. Telling people the God story is most effective when it happens within relationships. All of us can do relationships. When it happens within friendships. And if there's a greater need out, out here with people among us, it's to be in a, in a good, healthy relationship. To be develop friendships. I've got a couple of questions for you as we go through these. Will you choose to live, to walk, to move, to breathe in close proximity to people who feel far from God? And maybe you should take stock of your relationships that you have right now, the friendships that you have. Do you have any friendships with secular people? Do you have any people that you can call a friend that don't believe in God? Will you open your arms wide with unconditional love and acceptance and grace to those you meet? Will you ask God to remove the filters and categories that you and I have? Categories that people have to fit into. Categories such as race, religion, political persuasion, sexual orientation, lifestyle. People have to fit into these categories in order for you and I to reach out and connect with them in friendship. Would you ask God to remove those? Second D is to discover stories. As you and I move and live and walk and interact with people, discover their story. Will you choose to simply be present with people with no agenda except simply to hear their story, to enter into their lives with them, and to serve them where you find need? Will you be trustworthy in keeping their confidence because people only share with people with whom they can trust? Finally, the third D is discern the next steps. Will you truly believe that salvation is God's gift and it's God's job and that you are not God? That's something he accomplishes in his time, in his ways. And will you have eyes and ears that are open to God and that will trust that he is leading and will lead? I kind of feel like uh, saying, if you uh, will do these things, will you say, I do? <laughs> kind of has that feel to it, doesn't it? But it's a commitment. It's a commitment that you and I make as we follow Jesus to have our arms wide open to the people that we bump into and to say, I want to get to know you. I want to hear your story. I want to journey together through life. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, sometimes we have no clue as to where you are going, but we want to follow. We want to follow more than anything. We want our lives to be aligned with yours. We want our hearts to beat with yours. We want our arms to be wide open as yours were. Give us the courage, Father, to step out of our comfort zones to reach out to people who desperately need a touch from you. We thank you so much, Lord, that we can trust you in this. We follow you. Jesus, in your name we pray.